0: Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This week is the second week of Lent and the second week of our sermon series as we are talking about giving up things, those things that may be less tangible, but giving up things in a way that helps us to increase, enhance our relationship with God during this Lenten season. Today we talk about giving up expectations. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, this week's sermon and this week's worship service is not available, but you can go back and view past sermons and past services there. We would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast so that the new sermons every week come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe using your favorite podcasting app, And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. Please don't forget to share this week's message with others. This week's first scripture lesson comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Our second scripture lesson comes from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would grow closer to you as we journey along this Lenten season of fasting. Amen. You know, all throughout my life, I had this plan of how I thought my life would go. I always thought my sense, I always thought my life would play out in a certain way. I often Didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I had this general sense, this general idea. I knew the end point of what God was calling me to do, and yet along the journey, I had various things that I thought would happen along it. This was not a God laughs when we make plans kind of situation as I grew up. Rather, you know, I saw it as I defined it, and I defined it as placing my own expectations upon the life that I thought God was calling me to live. You see, I saw the path that God wanted me to take, but as I lived out that path, I brought my own expectations of what I thought that might look like. You know, I always thought my life would play out and work out in a certain way. I I brought my own expectations along, and as I lived out and explored this call to ministry that I felt placed upon my heart, I, even hesitantly thinking, did it my way. You know, as a people person, I always saw myself going to a big university, going to my parents' alma mater at West Virginia or the University of Virginia were my top choices. But I ended up going to a small liberal arts college whose student body was about the same size as my high school, Randolph-Macon College. You know, I saw myself... Getting a degree in religion, yes, but I also saw myself minoring in something that might have been tangible that I could have used had, you know, maybe I didn't actually want to go into the ministry or if something in the ministry didn't work out. Maybe marketing, communications, maybe even medicine. And I ended up getting a degree, yes, in religion, but a degree also in music technologies and recording technologies for music. These are gifts that I proudly and, and also humbly use in my church setting. But outside of church, I, I I wouldn't even begin to imagine how I could use them. You know, then while I was in college, I began to look at seminary as a manner of, okay, yes, I'm living into God's call, and I, I thought that I would go to Duke. And so I applied to Duke Divinity School, knowing many professors, scholars, and graduates. I thought that it would be the best place for me to continue my education And not only did I not get accepted, I mean, not only did I not go to Duke, but I didn't even get accepted to Duke. I ended up going to Wesley Theological Seminary in, in Washington, D.C., and again, I loved every second of it. Then while I was in seminary, I was asked to consider what my first ministerial appointment would look like. I considered the churches that I would want to serve. I I even considered what it might look like to climb the United Methodist denominational ladder. I thought I needed to learn under a highly respected pastor of a large church. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go the associate pastor route, seeing myself continuing to serve in urban and suburban ministry settings. As I had been familiar with those places, not only growing up, but even in internships. And yet for about 36 hours, I was an associate pastor, at least in a projected sense. And then hearing from my DS at the time that I would rather be appointed to a church in Dinwiddie County. I don't know how many of you know where Dinwiddie County is. I I had not heard of it, come to find out that I had driven through it and ridden through it many times while on my way to the uh, Virginia United Methodist Center in Blackstone, Virginia. Even in my next appointment, it was not what I expected. I again thought that I would try and get myself a little bit closer to suburban, and yet I moved to another more rural appointment, yet in a little bit more of a suburban county. Even coming to this appointment, I had considered that Sarah and I wanted to stay in Richmond. We, we liked the Richmond area. We were closer to her family and in the midst of community that we had formed around there, and yet I ended up in Suffolk, Virginia. Even the ordination process, as I sought to seek ordination as an elder in the United Methodist Church, I thought I would blow right through the process, getting commissioned right out of seminary and ordained three years later, and yet I got continued by both my district committee and the conference board. Sometimes we place expectations on things. In many of these cases, it was letting go of my expectations in following God's call for my life that I have noticed the joy in each of these areas in which my expectations, my personal expectations, were not met. Let me be clear. I have loved every aspect of my journey. I loved my time at Randolph-Macon, my time at Wesley. I have enjoyed my time at each one of my pastoral appointments while the journey was tough and my expectations were not met. As I look back, I would not change a thing. I mean, maybe some minor things here and there, but nothing major. The journey has led me to some amazing places, meeting some amazing people, witnessing awesome things in ministry. Am I where I thought I would be? No. But God has gotten me here as I have surrendered my own expectations of what I thought things should look like. As we talk about these less tangible things to give up in this Lenten season, to reconnect and even enhance our relationship with God, we consider what it may look like to give up our own expectations of how we think life should go. go. I'm sure we all come at life and we have expectations of what we think or even wish may happen. And inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having expectations. but When we become beholden and think that our expectations are the only way that we can achieve God's purpose in our lives, we neglect the work of the Spirit that can take place, that can guide us along God's direction for our life. And it can become not only toxic to our call to ministry, our call to vocation, but it can be toxic to our faith in general. Because when we take away, when we place the expectation of what we want to happen, we then begin to question the very faith of who we think God is. I know this because, especially in my ordination journey, getting continued and told by my district committee that I wasn't ready to be in the process of becoming an elder, really hurt, and I question whether or not I even thought I was called to ministry to begin with. Right? When we come into it with these expectations, we begin to think that this is the only tangible way that it can happen. And yet, when we look at our scripture passages before us today, we begin to un- unpack this nature of expectation versus lived experience. I'm not saying we can't have expectations. I'm not saying we can't have an idea of what we think could happen. I'm not saying that I was wrong to think that I was gonna to go to West Virginia, that I was gonna to go to UVA or Duke. I, was, I wasn't wrong to begin to conceptualize this manner and understanding of where I could serve in ministry, but I was wrong to think that that was the only path that I could take. I was wrong to think that that path, that expectation of what I have was the only direction that I could live out God's calling in ministry rather than yes, having and saying like, okay, this is what I think could happen. But then to allow God to say, this is what's going to actually happen. You see, we have a great example of this in our Genesis passage. Abraham, Abram, sorry, gives us this great example of following God, not only, and not allowing our expectations to get in the way, right? Look at Abram in this Genesis passage, right? Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, right? And there's this blessing that God offers to Abram. And what do we read in chapter four? What does Abram do? Chapter four tells us that Abram went. Abram went and there was not, there was not this great fanfare, right? There is no recorded argument from Abram here in this passage, but God calls Abram to go and Abram goes. Now we don't know if there was ever actually a response from Abram. We don't know if there was a back and forth in this. It's not recorded. But clearly the author, the person who writes these words down, the person that receives this story from the Israelite people and records it into a physical writing, wants us to understand what that lived experience of faith looks like. And over and over again, while there may have been skepticism in Abram's journey, we always see him default to knowing that God is watching out for him. And this is what it means, right? And this is the opposite of what we see in our gospel text today, right? In our gospel text, we get this puzzling interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who is labeled as a Pharisee. Now, we have here this understanding that for Nicodemus, being a Pharisee is not something that is holding him back from engaging with Jesus, right? Nicodemus is a Pharisee who engaged with Jesus and is trying to learn who Jesus is. And we see Jesus and Nicodemus in this interaction come together and Nicodemus trying to understand, but physically unable to release his own expectations of what he thinks faith looks like. And because Nicodemus cannot release his expectation of what he thinks faith in God looks like, Nicodemus cannot conceptualize what it means to be born from above. Right? Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? Right? I mean, we we can see like any mother is going to tell you, no, I do not want my adult child to, to shrink back down and to enter my womb a second time. I don't think any mother would agree to those stipulations. But you see, this is the idea of birth that Nicodemus has. Nicodemus has this idea that if Jesus is going to tell me I need to be born again, well, he takes that idea of birth literally. And Nicodemus gets confused. Right? We do this all the time. We expect that things happen a certain way, right? We do it almost subconsciously. We do it without even thinking we are doing it. And I know I, of all people, am guilty of this. I do this all the time. But sometimes if we think that our expectation is the only way that something can happen, are we truly trusting in God's purpose and calling in our life? We need to release these expectations. We need to model our lives a little bit more after Abram in the Genesis passage, one of hope and trust. You know, I still find it phenomenal that Abraham just goes. I mean, that's what we hear. The writer of Genesis records no back sass, no trepidation. Abram recognizes who God is and what God is trying to do through him. And in Nicodemus, finally understanding and releasing those expectations comes in Jesus naming who God is and this importance of recognizing the way in which the spirit floods into our lives. Right, Jesus tells Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the basic message that Jesus gives Nicodemus. This is the way in which we are called to trust God. We trust that God sent us his Son so that we could experience salvation. That when we believe, when we acknowledge, we become born of the spirit to trust that God has saved us. And when Nicodemus receives this message, when Nicodemus receives this message, it is the message that helps us to know and to trust that, okay. Right? And we know this, right? We have experienced God's grace, God's justifying grace in our lives. We know that we are saved. And so, what does that mean for us now? That we can trust and hope and have faith as we live out that process of sanctification in our lives. And so, what would it look like for us to give up our expectations? I mean, to give up our expectations of even who God is, to give up our expectations of what God is calling us or this community to do. Ray, right, we've already talked last week about giving up control. And friends, these give-ups are not going to get any easier as this Lenten season goes on. Right. We've already talked about giving up control, about relying upon God for what God has planned for us and more on God working in our lives. Now I'm telling you to give up expectations, to trust God more, to trust that God will work within your life, to trust that God has a purpose greater than we can expect in our lives. We know that we have been saved. There's no doubt. There's, there's, there's nothing else, right? We have already experienced this great sense of love and grace that has come into our lives, and we have acknowledged its presence there. This giving up of expectations is that step to say, Okay, God, I see what you have done, and now I'm going to respond by trusting you, by following after you, by living into your calling and being open and willing and surrendering as I journey along this life, right? Sometimes we may have expectations of how we think it's going to work, right? I can say I want to go to West Virginia, to UVA. I can say that... I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get commissioned. I want to get ordained. I want to go to this place and that place. But in those expectations, I need to pause and recognize that if something doesn't happen the way that I think it's going to happen, I still need to trust that God has a greater plan for what's going on. And it's when we release those expectations, right? I can make an expectation of how I think that this community is going to be, and yet to become beholden to that expectation limits God's power in our lives but to say yeah I could see it happening this way but when it doesn't happen that way I know that God has a greater plan and I trust in God's presence and power within this community just like other things in this sermon series it's not going to be immediate it's something we work on but it's an intentional practice to give up those expectations and to be present in what God has planned for us amen